everybody, Psychic Medium Angelo here. Join my, my esteemed colleague. He is the guru who knew. He is the Encyclopedia Britannica of pro wrestling, all things wrestling, Jeff the Ref Robinson. And we are joined by our special guest, our friend, our compadre in crime, Mike the Movie Maker Messier. How are you guys doing today, fellas? I'm doing great. Happy New Year to you, Angelo. Happy New Year to you, Mikey. Thank you, Jeff. Happy New Year, Mikey. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me, Jeff. And thanks for having me, Angelo. You're and quite thanks for bearing well. with my Bearing with my uh, circumstances today, but I'm glad to be here. Well, look, uh, by, by car, by plane, by boat, as long as you're here. Hey, we, you. we, we will interview you no matter where you are. <laughs> exactly. So here's what we're going to do. I want to, first of all, thank everyone. Uh, Jeff's got some exciting news to share with everybody. So, Jeff, let me give the drum roll. I want to personally thank, on behalf of me and Angelo and uh, Wrestling with the Future podcast and, and everybody, uh, we want to thank all of our listeners for giving us 60,000 downloads on Podbean only, and I always say that because I know that there's others out there that we have been downloaded on, but 60,000, thank you guys. Thank you very, very much for downloading. And, and that's only what we can verify. We don't know what iTunes and Spotify and right. Stitcher. So, as I have said, we are the little podcast that could. And we uh, we are chugging along. And 2020 is going to be bigger and better and awesome, more awesome. It absolutely is. And we're going to talk about some of the upcoming guests we got coming scheduled for 2020. And it is a veritable who's who of pro wrestling past and present and quite frankly future we got some future stars coming on as well yep but uh, to talk about uh, the year in review we got two of the finest guys with the brightest minds in wrestling today mikey and jeff and uh, i'm just kind of like the old fart that uh <laughs> hacking along here Although Mikey would argue that he's an older fart than I am. I don't buy that Mikey's his age. I really by, don't. By six months. I don't buy that you're you're as old as you are, Mikey. Then how old am I now? How old did I become? 61? Six, no, I'm not quite 61. How old are you? I, I have I, I, I'm younger than that, but uh no, I'm a little bit younger than 61, but uh um uh Guys, I mean, I, when I think about January of 2019, I think of uh, Becky Lynch, Asuka, the Royal Rumble. If yeah. you talk about the year in review, I, I just was trying to jog my memory to the earliest memories. And it was, um, I guess it was the second women's Royal Rumble match and uh, the Becky Asuka match and uh, the things that happened there. And, 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 and Yeah, for sure. And that was also right when Rhonda and well Becky was taken off with her the man character. Yeah. And I mean, and Rhonda Rousey and her were really they were Twitter beefing and getting people talking. I mean, oh boy. So much so they they talked themselves into the main event of WrestleMania. Yeah. And and I'll tell you what, and I think Mikey, I think you would agree with me and, and Angelo. I never thought I would see the day that women headlined a WrestleMania ever. 
Well, well you know, we knew it was in inevitable. It was just a matter of, you know, was it going to be, you know, this year or was it going to be a year or two down? I, would, I was thinking maybe even five years from now. I didn't see it happen as soon as it did. I thought it was it was destined for at least 2021, 20, 22. All right. What about you, Mikey? Well, the thing is that I would go back to the old school and say that uh, the first WrestleMania, you could almost make a case that the co-main event or the second match from the top was Wendy Richter versus Lalani Kai. No so, doubt. Yeah, absolutely right. You know, uh, Richter and, and Leilani, they definitely put those asses in the seat of Madison Square Garden. I mean, I think a lot of fans don't even realize at WrestleMania 1, WrestleMania 1 took place at 2 in the afternoon or 3 in the afternoon yeah. at Madison Square Garden. Yeah, it was a matinee show, yeah. And it was basically not meant to be nothing more than uh, a, a hyped-up house show that they named oh, yeah, WrestleMania. pretty much. Yeah. And, and because it started getting all the hype, it started getting publicity, and then because Mr. T was involved, and you, you started all the entertainment people. Yeah. Now, what funny story that goes with WrestleMania 1, kind of got to believe it, was Linda McMahon, she said she was out on the loading dock of, of Madison Square Garden. And all of a sudden, one of the, one of the head members of the a local Hells Angels chapter pulled up. And he said, I need tickets. And they told me we're sold out. He said, I need 50 tickets and I need you to make it happen. And she said, what are you going to tell a Hell's Angel? Right. She said, I made it happen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, exactly. I heard that story, by the way, and it's all true. I'm so the game I, I career it. in I mean, politics. Well, yeah, it's, it's true because it's been verified by several sources. Now, I, okay, let's see. Uh, well, let's talk about, let, let me stop you there, Jeff. Let's talk about the the top five stories of 2019. If we had to narrow it down to the top five, two come to mind right away. Well, I would actually put I would put the women's main event of WrestleMania in the top five. I would have to. What about you, Mike? Oh, absolutely. I would put I put AEW getting the TNT Network deal yep. as uh, the number one yep. story. I would probably put the women's wrestling match in Saudi Arabia as number two. Oh, uh, I, I would forgot probably, about that one, but yeah. I'd probably Absolutely. Put, I'd probably put women headlining WrestleMania at number three. Yeah. I'd probably put uh, NWA Power uh, making a, a, a place for themselves as number four. And uh, number five, I would probably say something like an all-encompassing... Uh, well, well, I put I put a five and a five uh, B, so a five and a six. Uh, five, I'd say uh, the rise, the rise of the independent groups, like yes. other, other groups like Impact and MLW. Well, yeah, even tying into that, Mikey, I think I agree absolutely with the four of the five. I here's here's, and I agree with that. Those are my. I I, 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 I I couldn't argue with, with that top five being a top five. I really couldn't. Not at all. But here's my here's the only distinction I made. But it kind of ties into what Mikey just said. My number five would be the exodus from WWE of so many stars to go to other groups. That was my number six. <laughs> that would that yeah. But how many have really exited? 
A lot. John Ambrose. Wait, John Moxley. Who else? Jericho? Jericho sort of. We have a whole list of about 10 to 12 people that were undercard wrestlers who were under contract who left. Not only between NXT. Well, hold on, Jeff. Not only between NXT, Raw, and SmackDown to go to other promotions, including going back to the indies. We're, this is the first time that we've seen people leave NXT to go back to the indie circuit because well, they make more money. Well, now that that is very true, especially if if you had name value on any of those three. And you can go to the indies, and you're going to be able to you're going to be able to fetch between six hundred to a grand from any indie promoter, depending on how good you are with your your sales game. Honestly, sure, absolutely. And but I would say I was actually going to say number five for me would you know you know if I were to take anything out, I I would maybe say the resurgence, which is actually kind of causing a resurgence resurgence in wrestling business is the NXT and AEW Wednesday Night War. Okay, so now let's let's do this then, Jeff. Mikey and I both gave six. What would your number six be? I'd probably, my number six would probably be, uh, I, I, you know, for me, actually, I would say it's probably the downfall of ROH right now. I couldn't argue with that. That is, been you a know, that's, that's a real, that's a real good point, Jeff. Real good, point. Mikey. What do you think about that? Where is where is rate among the uh, the top three or four? I mean, I, th I think it, Jeff made a great point, and I think that uh, ROH has been involved or owned, I guess, by Sinclair Broadcasting, which has been a huge turnoff for me personally. And and just to make it clear, it's not because it's right wing politics. It's because it's any politics. I don't like my wrestling mixed with politics. Yeah. So when, when people have talked about ROH for the last four or five years, I've kind of tuned out, to be honest. I mean, I had some friends like Matt Taven, uh, Mike Kanellis went through there, mm -hmm. uh, Vinny Marcelli is a friend of mine. But when those guys were in ROH, I, I really can't say that I was watching ROH that much, to be honest. Yeah. Well... Last year, at this point, they were looking like they may be turning a corner for the better. Right. However, with Cody and the Young Bucks and and the the exodus that they had, they I mean, they got hit hard. They got. Hit I, I want to mention a group to you guys that I know you're both familiar with. <laughs> it's a group that's based uh, out of the Northeast here, out of actually New York. They're making a big, big name for themselves and making a lot of noise. <laughs> it's a group called House of Glory. Yep. Okay. What do you guys think? Where does uh, an up-and-coming, uh, a promotion, by the way, that's got some financial backing to it, where does House of Glory rate among the, the, uh, the upper <laughs> echelon, or do they... Are they there yet? They're not quite there yet because, and, and I mean, I, I'm not not speaking ill on them. I wish them well and I want them to do good, but they're not on, they're not on, they may be on YouTube, but they're not being seen on any other platforms and they're not on Fight TV yet. And haven't done well, the they're, they're on, you know, uh, local cable. 
So they got some television. And that's good. That's, that's better than some of the indies out there. But, right. Yeah. And Jeff, how important is television? These days, not as important as, as it is for if you can get it on a streaming site. So you think that's the wave of the future? Mikey, you're in the film business. You worked your, your whole life in film and television. Is, is Jeff, does, does Jeff have a point there with streaming? Is that the future? Well, it's, it's, it's the present. I mean, it's, it's the present. But I would say this. TV is still king. And AEW on TNT, uh, which was really my number one pick, and, and Jeff, Jeff kind of rephrased it with the AEW NXT war, same thing. It's it's to me if you have television, if you have a mainstream, uh, even in 2020 now, if you have right. TNT, you have mm -hmm. USA Network, you have the E Entertainment Channel, you have one of these stations that everybody knows. I'm sorry, even with YouTube TV, even with Hulu, all the different ways to get those channels, those are still the big money players. So yeah, the things that are like the NWA Power. For a wrestling fan, for the three of us, we can compare AEW to uh, NWA. For the, quote, casual fan or mainstream fan, uh, they know AEW. A friend of mine who, who doesn't even like wrestling, but he, know this, he knows that I like wrestling, he said, what's this AEW thing on TNT? I yeah. wouldn't have expected my friend to ask True. me that because he's not a wrestling fan, but here he is asking. But he's not asking me about NWA Power or House of Glory. No offense to those companies, but the, the more mainstream you have, even if it's a 1997 mainstream thing like TNT, yeah. even now it's it's still holding on. I'll, I'm going to say this too. I mean, out of the indie promotions out there right now that I see that it could be on the come up, I think MLW is going to be the next one to rise. I really do. Yeah, you know what, Jeff? I, I'm glad that you mentioned MLW. Uh, of course, that is uh, owned and operated by Court Bauer, who was former head writer uh, of uh, WWE, WWF, I should say, to be technical about it. Mm -hmm. uh, and Court, uh, for those of people listening and watching and don't know, Court has amassed quite a financial backing for himself. Yeah, he's a, he's a wealthy guy, and he's not afraid to spend his money. And he's blocking a lot of the younger talent under contracts. Yeah, um, to where they could work other indie dates as long as they guarantee they, they'll be there for his show. Yeah, like, got like Brian Jr. under it. You have yeah, absolutely. You have our current VCW champion Gino, who just got signed with them. Who's getting ready to work a major angle with? Um, I can't say her name because I can't. Uh, it, it's the she, she's a, a Latina and. Um, and he's got an angle working with her where she's going to be maybe be his manager or something along those lines. And right. so he's kind of getting thrust into the spotlight right there. But, um, I, I mean, I, I think MLW really has a chance to be on the come up. I mean, not only are they on YouTube every Saturday, they also have a presence on the BN network, which is on cable. It's yeah. on one of them channels that you can hardly see, but they are there. Well, now, let, let, there's a question in there. Whether you, whether you know it or not, you prompted a question from me, which is uh, the, uh, the the extended use or the, um, the the heavy use of YouTube by not only independent promotions, but now established groups 
that are using the YouTube streaming services. Mikey mentioned it, YouTube TV, um, Roku, Hulu, services like that. I think it's all a matter of way of getting your product and getting it out there and getting it known. I mean, social media right now is at probably the highest height I've ever seen it in my life. And now, now yeah. granted, it hasn't been around but so long. I mean, people don't realize YouTube is only a little over like 12 years old. Yeah. True. The first people to really utilize it on any kind of mega platform was during the election between Obama and McCain. Yeah, true enough. And so, I mean, it, you know, it's still a baby. It's still in its infancy. You got Twitter now that's starting to really kind of make a headway out there. Facebook is going to be there. They're going to remain. They're, they're, they're going to always be there. Instagram. Yeah. Instagram is really starting to do something, some good, you know. And then you got Snapchat. I mean, not yeah. that. And, and WWE even has a Snapchat deal yeah now it's jeff as you're saying this it ties actually directly into a show that you and mikey are going to be involved with uh -oh. uh, and we're, we're let people know that one of the things we got coming up very soon uh is oh we lost mikey he's gone am Come i still here Oh, yeah. where, where are you, Mikey? Here you are. Uh, okay. You disappeared. Yeah, that's what happens when Mikey plays with his camera. Well, I was having a little audio trouble, guys, and I was trying to adjust it, but keep going, please. Okay. So one of the, I was just telling everyone, Mikey, that one of the things that we have coming up that ties directly into what Jeff was talking about is our social media show that we're going to do with you and Shane McKenna. Right. Yeah, the the, the head of the uh, wrestling fans Facebook group. He's the admin. Well, Shane, yeah. Shane's a good guy. He's a little misguided at times, and and when I say misguided, it's not because Shane's a bad guy. He's a great guy. It's just that he puts a lot of stock in WWE. I think, and uh, what I've been trying to inform Shane and other wrestling fans is that there's more to professional wrestling than WWE. Um, well, let me stop you there, Mikey. It's it's funny. When you speak to the average person on the street, the casual viewer, if you will, right? when you say wrestling, automatically, I guess by assimilation, it is. WWE is what people think of wrestling, quote-unquote yeah. wrestling. Truth be told, real quick, I'm sorry to interrupt, but that is actually McMahon and his, if you, whether you want to call it creative genius or not, but his genius behind branding that name and making Marketing, it clear. Yeah. He made WWF so well known in the 80s that people who are my age now at 42, they grew up with WWF being wrestling, and that's where they still associate. Some yeah. of them will even still say, oh, do you mean the WWF? And then you got to go, oh, you mean WWE? And then you, you get really confusing to them. And then, yeah. You know. <laughs> well, now, Mikey, what, what do you think here? I, I think what it what it takes, guys, and it's no offense to Shane or Chris Old or anybody in that wrestling fans group, which is very active. It's that the wrestling fan owes it to him or herself to be proactive mm -hmm. and educate themselves. 
And if you're not watching Starcade 83, if you're not watching Starcade 85, Tully Blanchard versus Magnum TA, don't consider yourself on the level of a Mike Messier as far as or a job. Band. Yeah, or, exactly. Or, yeah, or, an or, or an Angelo who's older than both of you. Well, my point is <laughs> that when I was when I was a young wrestling fan, I would get Sports Review Wrestling Magazine in the mail, and they would have these articles that were 10, 15, uh, 20 years ago. They would they would discuss the those. things from the I past. I love that. I love that. Yeah. Stuff. Right. See, and, I grew up with Pro Wrestling Illustrated. Was yeah, the, sure. the first one. 1979. Uh, and you know what they call the actor mags, right? You know, made famous by Bill Apter. You had Pro Wrestling Illustrated, of course. You had Inside Wrestling, The Wrestler, all of the in Pro Wrestling USA. All of these magazines were, were available at every newsstand. And then with the influx of the you know electronic media. We saw the wrestling magazines go by the wayside. Yep. So, wrestling fans, to Mikey's point, wrestling fans only know what they see, and what they see is WWE. I would challenge any wrestling fan out there right now if you want to really get to know the business, get on eBay, spend $10, 20, not 20, but maybe buy you a few of the after mags. The old ones, yeah, and go back and read them. And I'll yes, tell you what, you do, there's you know, history in those pages, Jeff. There is and, a lot of and, history there. I'll say this: yes, a lot of the articles are kayfabe. We know that, but that's what made it fun. Thank you. Thank you. And, and after, and 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 the editors of that, and the, the people that wrote for that those magazines helped drive the storylines and they and in doing that jeff they drove the storyline which drove the angles and the sales there you go. sales they they would people after, don't know after call, after would call up and he would say what big angle what big whatever do you have coming on people don't know that jeff because they don't know their history you and you both of you guys know if you if you know anything about me you know, and I here's how I say it. Jeff is my wrestling guy. Mikey is my historian. Yeah. And I'm history. Okay? Here, and here's what I mean by that. I lived it. Yeah. I lived it. I, you know, I'm, I'm talking about, you know, my first match was 1965. I know at least one of you weren't even born at that point. <laughs> I don't know what Mikey was because he lies about his age. Well, I'm, a, I'm an actor. I'm in the. I'm, I, 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 I know I, you're an I, actor. You're like a wrestler. You can't trust an actor. <laughs> I can't trust a wrestler either. In 1965, my, there you go. You got that right, Mikey. Um, in 1965, my dad wasn't even thinking about kids. He had just graduated high school and he was worried about going to Vietnam. So, <laughs> here's my history. Here, here's, here, here's what I was getting at, guys, earlier. When I talked about that sports review wrestling, you know, what happened 5, 10, 15 years earlier, mm -hmm. that was my favorite um, monthly column in sports review wrestling. Yes. I just wish that some of today's fan, who has it so much easier than we did, 
All they have to go to do is go to YouTube, not go to the WWE Network because they're going to the WWE Network puts a filter on it. Like when you watch ECW, for instance, on the WWE Network, you don't hear the Sandman's entrance to. And that uh, actually kind of ruins it, in my opinion. What's up? Say that again, Jeff. I said that kind of ruins it, in my opinion, to not hear Sandman's entrance when right. you're watching it. Well, and, but you have to remember something now. Because everything is so corporate, they are so wrapped up in legalities. All of that stuff is copyrighted. Oh yeah, yeah. But I, no, I get. I, I was. I know what, what Mikey's saying. He's he's saying wrestling fans, if you want to get a true feel of it, right? Instead of watching it on the network, go to YouTube and try to find the actual old footage. Bootleg your. You got yeah. the bootleg stuff because my I had a video two years ago that which was. Uh, collect your wrestling contraband, which is your DVDs, yes. your VHSs, because if the WWE ever sells out to Disney or the Saudi Arabian government, then you're going to see a lot more censorship. Do you think that the mouse, the Disney mouse, is going to tolerate Magnum TA and Tully Blanchard bleeding, or even Steve Austin and Bret Hart bleeding at WrestleMania 13? So well, Mikey, let's, let's remember recent history. Let us not forget that not one, but two, two major promotions ran shows right out of Disney Studios. WCW? Was, WCW. No, 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 sir. They were in Universal. That's a good point. Oh, hold on. Hold on. It's part of the Disney property. Let's be real clear about it, Jeff. Universal is not owned by Disney. They're owned by MGM. They were advertising as Disney. But let's be real clear. Two promotions ran out of Disney. WCW and Eddie Mansfield. TNA did too. Who? TNA. T yes. Thank you. Thank you very much. So, so we're not saying... And, and I want to be real clear about this. We're not saying that Disney is condoning the use of uh, bleeding in, you know, their wrestling product because it's really not, you know, their wrestling product. They happen to be on the Disney property. Let's put it that way. Uh, you know what? I'm gonna, I'll say this. I would love to have here. I've heard only very sparingly. The stories and the tales of the wrestlers there in MGM when WCW would go down there and film. Yeah. And they said by day three, they were about gonzoed and yes. they were wandering the park and got doing God knows what. Yeah. <laughs> well, here's the thing. Here's the thing that people don't know about Disney. They weren't wrestling fans. No, they, they were people... No, they were people who went to Disney. Disney rounded up audiences. They'd say, hey, you want to see a, a, a wrestling show? And it was all free. It was all, all papered, what they called, they papered the house. And they would hold up, they actually had signs, applaud, boo. Exactly. Like, like, a, like a TV show. Like a, like a, a show. But do, do, you, do you legitimately think, Mikey, that they would sell out to Disney? Seriously. Uh, I think that in the last couple of years, there's been some online articles and quotes from Stephanie and 
I think mostly Stephanie McMahon and maybe Triple H that they would consider selling the company. And I think I'm not I'm still not sure if this story is true or accurate or not. But that Saudi Arabian deal, supposedly there was a, an asterisk that if the WWE ever decides to sell, the Saudi Arabians have the, the first right to make an offer. I don't know if that story is true or I, not. I, but I, that was I, there I, someone. Jeff, what do you know about that? I've read I've read the same article now, but I have also read where it's been pretty much kiboshed by WWE. Okay. Now that's not to say though that they didn't put the kibosh on it to, to quit people from talking, right. and it ain't legit. But I, I want to say it was Hunter. I think it was Triple H who came out and said, "We, you know, the only deal that we have with them is to go there for a certain number of shows per year." And not I don't think there's a chance in hell that WWE will ever sell out to the Saudis. I do not think that there's ever a chance that they will sell to Disney. I think they're more likely, quite frankly, to sell if they do sell at all, which is a big if. If they do sell, it will be to a major media company, U.S.-based. Very aggressive. It will be a media company like Fox, okay. like CBS, like NBC. Well, I think when people get the fear of the mouse coming in is because the mouse now owns Fox. And Star Wars. Doesn't uh, Disney yep. own Star Wars? Yep. Yeah. So, but so let's be clear. These are properties and entities owned by the umbrella of Disney. Now, to be very fair and to be very clear, there are more than 75 different companies under the Disney umbrella. More than 75. They okay. Got they got a shit ton of money, man. That's all I got to say. They are into everything. They're into the fast food business, restaurants, gourmet cooking. They are into other theme parks. They own their own cruise line. Yeah. They're into a lot of different things. The Disney I got a, I got a question for Mikey really quick. Also, Mike. Now, wait a minute. Hold on, Jeff. Oh, sorry. They're also in the television business, Mikey's industry, the film business. Sure. They've got their hands in a little bit of everything. Right, right. Yes. Now, Mike, I got a question for you, brother. Yes. Where do you see AEW at the end of the year in 2020? That's a great question. Um, I think, uh, to be honest, I think they might be right where kind of right where they're at right now. I, I feel like that this is a passion project for Tony Khan, and and I'm not putting Tony Khan down, but I'm just saying, to me, what this feels like is rich guys doing rich guy stuff. Yeah. Hey kids, let's put on a show. And and guess what? I'm not even insulting him. I'm just saying that I don't. I don't particularly mind that that's what it is. If there's a rich guy who likes wrestling and he wants to play with his real-life human action figures and Chris Jericho was his favorite wrestler in ECW in 1995 at CyberSlam and 25 years later, he gets to put a shiny gold belt around Chris Jericho's waist and they maybe Tony's getting some women out of this uh, <laughs> down low. Then, <laughs> guess what? I, I actually don't have a problem with it. Well, I, I was going to I, I will tell both of you guys. I think that you're both wrong. Okay. Well, I didn't say uh, my input yet. Oh, you, oh, you haven't. I thought you were agreeing with Mikey. 
I do, but here, here's what, what I was going to say. Well, and go ahead, and I'll shut my mouth. <laughs> here's why I agree with Mike. Go ahead. And I, and I see it kind of, it could be a downfall. I, could, I actually see Tony Khan, if he keeps on being more hands-on, as a downfall for that company. Because the one bitch that WWE fans have, have had, too much Vince McMahon, too much Stephanie, and too much Triple H and Shane. Okay, stop right there, Jeff. I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. Because now you're going to where I'm going. Okay. I'll tell you why. Here's what I think. I think Tony Khan is far more like Vince McMahon than either of us realize. And I'll tell you why. I don't. I do. I'm going to tell you why. And here's why. There's two overwhelming reasons why. Both men have exorbitant wealth. Okay? Tony's just from his daddy, but go ahead. Both men, well, it doesn't matter if it's daddy's money or not. It's, he's got money. Okay? Number two, neither one of these men, Tony Khan or Vince McMahon, neither one of them know failure. I do not believe for one moment that this is just a toy pet project for Tony Khan. I think Tony Khan is serious about making some scratch. Okay. He's got some money invested, and he's got, to you to your point, Jeff, he's got a lot of his daddy's money invested. Unless, I'm going to go here. Tony Khan made a big mistake already this year. He's made a couple of them. To do a Twitter beef with Randy Orton. He's the president of the company. Yeah. Vince McMahon does not lower himself in Twitter beef with nobody. True. Neither does Triple H. Neither does Shane McMahon. Neither right. does Stephanie. Now, this is why I'm, I'm, I agree with Mikey that it, it's him maybe playing with his real-life action figures. Right now, their booking is so haphazard, they got no storylines, and they're using the same matches, same guys, every week. That's not me putting them down. It's what I hear people saying is their main complaint. Okay, go ahead. And right now, they got no house shows even scheduled. All right, let me stop you. You mentioned two things. That the WWE has done and continues to do. Rehash, reload, redistribute the same matches over and over. I mean, if I saw John Cena and Randy Orton one more time... I was going to explode. And part of that, though, is, and WWE is, is, is right now living the backlash of them being the only sole person around that was able to give the guys money. Right. And the other thing, too, Jeff, that you brought up, that both companies are in the same boat again, not only the same matches rehashed over and over, <laughs> but neither company, neither one of these top two companies 
have a house business. WWE at least still tries. Well, they, they try only in the respect that there's a television camera there capturing everything. No, they still That's, that's not a house show. No, they still do house shows. WWE, <laughs> WWE still does house shows, Angelo. There's just not many fans coming out to see them. They, 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 now, I, I mean, to put that in perspective, they went to the Norfolk Scope, and it was a house show, and they maybe had 3,000 fans there and a 10,000-seat arena. Now, they right? haven't been to Philadelphia in seven, listen to me, they have not done a live show in Philadelphia other than Raw or SmackDown in seven years. They just did the Madison Square Garden house show, though, that Andrade won the, the U.S. title at. That's the garden. That's the Mecca. I, I, my point is, and Mike's too, why are they going to go to the Philadelphia Spectrum right now when they can't, when they're, when that's a what, 20,000 plus seat arena? Well, the Spectrum's gone, but it's the Wells Fargo Center, yeah. Well, okay. But it's at least 20,000, right? 27,000. So why are they going to go there and lose their ass when they can go to a 10,000 seat arena and lose their ass? They, they can't fill it. So guess, why, why are you going to pay that rent? You can't, you, they, they can't afford to. That's the answer. They can't afford to fill it. I, I, would, I guess I would jump in, guys, if I could, and say that please the, do WWE, the, the WWE for several years has been doing house shows with declining attendance. Yep. And um, every once in a while, like every two or three years, they'll do something like this Andre winning the U.S. title at a house show in order to kind of pepper the pot a little bit. But, but the fans are so in on the game, so to speak. Now the fans see it for what it is. Um, that it's it's just a way to pepper the pot and get you a little bit interested. I, I think what I was getting at, though, I think AEW would do be wise to actually do a little bit of a house show business and see how they would do. Does I anybody know what kind of numbers they drew at the Garden? They almost sold it out. And Madison Square Garden? You're talking about, you're talking about WWE for the most recent house show, Jay? Yeah. Okay. I, I believe that they, they, they did a well over 10,000. I, I can't, I can't, I can't. That's not a sellout. I don't know. Um, not a I would, garden. I would say this, guys, if I could about this. Why isn't AEW doing house shows yet? I think we're we're all kind of holding AEW to a standard that's not fair. Whether it's Tony Khan as a rich guy or not, you're asking a company that's literally been in business for less than a calendar, or less than a full year, 12 months, to be at the same standard of operation of a company that uh, Bruno San Martino beat Buddy Rogers on May 17th, 1963, I believe. So yeah. 1963 compared to 2019, 2020, that's a big head start. So when people say that AEW is getting blown away by NXT and NXT is the third product and, and you know, that AEW doesn't have a chance, well, my point is, hey, guys, you know, you're, you're comparing an apple and an orange in a race that the Apple has a, has a 1963 advantage versus 2019. I think you bring up a good point, Mikey. I think that I, the, the I, fact I, that that AEW, for all intents and purposes, is still a blip on the radar, whereas the WWE 
is the the uh, it is the radar. Right. That's a that's a great way of putting it. It's and you just nailed it, Angelo. When WWE is the radar. Now, my point to Shane McKenna and to other guys that, that are intelligent young wrestling fans is, guys, before there was WWE as this hierarchy monarchy, we had the Jim Crockett promotions. We had the Mid-South. Right. Those promotions are still available if you seek them uh, through the bootleg tape traders, YouTube, or even if you watch the homogenized version on the WWE Network, which... Might be a, a nice way to get, but you could also explore these MLWs, these impacts. Uh, the House of Glory, Jeff's promotion has a big show on Saturday night in Virginia. So, I mean, always support your local independent wrestling scene. I, I always say that because that is, you you watch the indies and that is where you're going to see your come, upcoming stars. I can tell you this, three years ago, we had a young man who came in and wrestled in, in VCW. It was either two or three years ago. Now he's talking at WWE NXT, is, and he's the original bro, Matt Riddle. Right. Right. I mean, and when we brought him in, he was just that guy from UFC. Right. Yeah. I mean, the, the, guy, the guys that I mentioned earlier, I forgot a big one. Um, uh, Mike, Mike Bennett, Vinny yes. Marcellia. And uh, who's the guy with the beard in NXT? The, 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 uh, the guy that's Tommaso Chiampa was yep. the top rope, top rope promotions out of Fall River, Mass. I was the commentator and the uh, ring bell guy for, for several years. Wow. We had uh, Biff Busick, who, who's now Oni Larkin. Yep. We had some awesome talent there doing awesome matches in front of 400 people in Fall River, Mass. And so, uh, you know, when we talk about the year in review, um, you know, I've got to say that the lifeblood of professional wrestling is going to be your VFWs, your high school yes. gyms. That's the lifeblood. And for people who are tuned off or tuned mm -hmm. out to uh, these WWE Saudi Arabia debates or they don't want to watch Chris Jericho at age 49 wrestle, uh, then watch something different. And that's your local wrestling group, as always. Yeah. Well, that leads me into the, uh, the question of the indies. Mm -hmm. We're seeing a huge, a huge resurgence Back to the Indies, people are turning out to the high school gyms, to the uh, the VFW, to the local armories, and they're spending fifteen or twenty bucks for a ticket. Yep, to see a live show for you know to sit down for you know two and a half three hours and watch to get their fix of wrestling. The Indies, you know, a lot of them can't afford you know one hundred and fifty dollars for a ticket. The CWWE. Well, the Indies of today are your territories of yesteryear. Right. That's and, an interesting point, Jeff. Um, That's a real interesting point. You know, you're you you got guys who who may be mainly northeast indie based. You got guys who are southern indie based. Um. And and they're and and you know you can go if you got if you got somebody who you follow. I, I, you know, due to social media, you can find out where they're going to be and maybe find them in, in a show and maybe 50 miles away, but you may want to go and check them out again. You know, I would challenge, again, any re real, 
I shouldn't say real wrestling fan, but I would challenge any wrestling fan. If you've never been to an indie, go. You're going to have the time of your life. Well, you're going to see something at an indie show that you won't see at a large arena show. And that's a couple of things that you're going to see. You're going to see up-close, personal wrestling yep. happening right in front of you, yep. 10, 15 feet away from the ring. You're going to see name talent, people you know, have seen on television, and you're going to be able to shake their hand and talk to them. You're going to see people who once was and people who will be. You will see the old timers and you will see the future superstars. It's a great mix of talent. It really is. Case in point, we just, you know, Jeff, you know, I saw, you know, J.J. Dillon at Tatanka and Flying Brian Jr. in October. Uh, and ju we just had uh, Teddy Hart and his cousin, uh, Davey Boy Smith Jr., the British Bulldog. That's that. Okay. <laughs> now you can see these guys on MLW on television. <laughs> right? Teddy Hart's no longer with MLW. He uh, had a falling out. Again, okay. Well, well that's that's Teddy. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> that, that's, that's Teddy's mouth. I, I mean, Mikey, I'll ask Mikey this. Who yes. on the Indies right now, knowing that you follow it, you know, somewhat or closely? Sure. Who do you see as being that next, like, breakout indie darling, so to say, that AEW and WWE are going to be going after? I, I'm surprised that there hasn't been more buzz towards the flying Brian Pillman Jr., to be honest with you, because his father, at this point, established a real cult uh, legacy. I mean, I, I have a flying Brian Pillman stomp action figure tattoo on my leg. So if anyone knows about the cult-like following of Flying Brian... That's nuts. Right. Uh, it is pretty nuts, nuts thank you. <laughs> I don't and, even uh, have a wrestling tattoo yet, so... <laughs> <laughs> and Pillman Jr., from all accounts, is kind of a throwback to the, you know, gee whiz, babyface guy. Oh, I boy. Mean, I've, yeah, I've, I've communicated with uh, Flying Brian Jr., a little bit, and he seems like a real nice guy, and he's almost got this aw shucks thing, which I think is great because that means he's doing his own thing. He's not, yep. yeah, he's not trying to emulate his father. He's doing, <laughs> he's being his own man. Yeah. And <laughs> in fairness to Brian and what he went through in his life, he never knew his father really because he was an infant when his dad died. So yeah, he was, was, he was five. Yeah, he was five. Right, well, five he's years got old. Got no so real memory, and he even says that of his dad. Yeah, this has got to be and, tough. So, so I, I well, feel I, I had the chance to, to, to meet Brian uh, in October and spoke to him at quite you know some length. I spent about a half an hour with him, and uh, we communicate back and forth on Twitter. Jeff knows um, we've been in contact with him, trying to get him to come on here. But that man, that boy's a busy boy. I'll tell you that. Yeah, he will. He will be on the show right. at some point this year. Yes, <laughs> he will be on the show. He made a commitment to me, but he is, like Jeff said, he is one busy kid he, because he's taking, he's doing the right thing. 
He's taking every booking that comes his way. You were asking about why he doesn't really have the buzz yet. He does, but they're keeping it on the DL because he's pretty much told WWE and AEW in a roundabout way, I'll come to you guys when I'm ready. I'm with MLW under contract for the next year. Okay. Now, granted, they could buy him out. That's no problem. But You mark my words. You're going to see Brian Tillman Jr. Mark my words. I assure you of this. Yep. You're going to see him in AEW. Before yeah. you ever see him in WWE, you're going to see him in AEW. I assure you of that. He, 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 uh, but right now he's able to get out there. He got to wrestle Juice and Liger. Right. Which was a dream match of his. Yeah. And he, he's getting to have a lot of the quote unquote dream matches that he wants to have before he goes under contract to a major, major company. Right. Well, the, so, well, the other thing, too, that we, we need to, it's the elephant in the room and we have to talk about it. If Brian, if Brian signs with WWE, he will not go directly to the main roster. Oh, NXT. He has to go to NXT. And for him, at this point in his career, quite frankly, that would be a step down. I disagree with you. It would be a step down. He's making a shit ton of money right now. Okay. He would take a pay cut. Okay, but you take a pay cut versus guaranteed money? Guaranteed if they're going to take care of you if you get injured? That's a lot of if, bro. But there are guys... But there's guys there on that roster in NXT that he's going to want to face. I promise you. There are guys on that NXT roster that have been there for five, six years and haven't moved. And there, Well, some of them don't want to. Well, this is true. Why is Ciampa being one of them? Let's, let's talk about that. Mikey, why do you think a guy on NXT is there for five, six years and wants to be there? Well, that's, that's a great question. I think there's probably some subterfuge between Triple H and Vince McMahon, um, father father and son-in-law, however you want to phrase their relationship. Yeah. I think Ciampa Triple H probably... That. <laughs> I think guys like Tommaso Ciampa are probably, and, and Gargano, are probably guys that Triple H wants to protect and he wants to kind of keep in his back pocket because I think Triple H, at least the image that we have of Triple H, is that he wants NXT to be a separate third brand. Yep. Yeah. And be away from Vince's creative control yeah. and be under his and maybe Shawn Michaels' creative guidance. And I think that's why you see guys like a Tommaso, who I think has spoken about his neck injuries and in that the reduced schedule of NXT wrestling maybe twice, three times, four times a week, as opposed to, you know, six or seven times is better for a guy like Tommaso, who's got some injuries. Yep. Many of those yeah. injuries probably happened on the NXT clock. Well, Gargano, uh, Johnny Gargano, he's already said he didn't want to go to the main roster because he knows that they, they wouldn't know how to use him properly. Right. And let's talk about that. Let's talk about how the main roster uses talent that's clearly proven in NXT and gets, I don't want to say sanitized, 
But well, not yeah. You know what? Fuck it. I'm going to use that word. They get sanitized in WWE. It's it's almost like a separate company if you think about it. It is kind of yeah. Um, I, truth be told, it was said by Triple H, and and maybe recently it's changed, but he said Vince never watched a day of NXT. And he's absolutely, that's absolutely true. Now, he may, in recent years, meaning within the last year, may have changed his mind and watched a few episodes, but he hadn't watched any. So when you got guys who are hot in NXT, i.e. an Aleister Black, uh, you know, uh, uh, um, what's his name, Um, who just went back back to NXT. uh, Finn Balor? Yeah, Finn Balor. Yes, Finn. Mikey. I mean, when they, it's like they get frustrated because they were being used down properly in NXT. Thank you. And then they go to the main roster and they're like, okay, I'm here. I'm here. I had all the smoke behind me. What, 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 what are you going to do? Here, here's the problem. They have very few Kevin Owens to pick from. Yeah. I want you to think about this. It was John Cena who handpicked Kevin Owens. Because he had seen him work and he knew he could do something with him. Right. And for John Cena to lay down for a newbie on national television, two things occurs there. Number one, a supreme confidence that John Cena's reputation will not be hurt. Number one. Number two... He gets the opportunity to make a guy. Yeah. And he he gets the opportunity to create a star. And he did. And here's the problem right now with WWE on the main roster. They don't have a John Cena there to establish anybody. And they don't have another Kevin Owens. But they, I mean, to be fair, they don't have anybody to put over that NXT guy coming up. Mike, what do you think? You know, I think you could you could still have a Roman Reigns. There you uh, go. I was gonna use, I was gonna say Roman. Good right. example, Mike. Roman or Seth. I mean, one of those two guys at least could still work with an NXT call up. Um, this is this whole thing about NXT and WWE is why I've really turned against WWE and not towards NXT because I see the way I see things the way they are, guys. Even if the NXT show is more exciting or the the fight club of, of a WWE as they call it. It's still a part of WWE. It's your your dollar in Vince's other pocket. You know what I mean? It's like the baseball True. Fans. What's wrong with okay, but here I will ask you, Mikey, what is wrong with supporting NXT if you don't like the big boys? Because it's the same thing because you're still supporting Vince McMahon. No, you're He's, okay. You're, you're, but, if, but, if, if, I'll, I'll, I'll answer the question, Jeff. If you're supporting the NXT financially with your eyeballs or buying a ticket or an NXT t-shirt, then you're still supporting Vince McMahon. You're still supporting WWE that supports Donald Trump, does their deals in Saudi Arabia. Well, I don't think I'll say this. I don't think the regular fan pays attention to any of that bullshit. They oh, I, not, let, let me, let me talk about me. See, that's the all right, fellas. I, I, I speak for myself. I don't speak for the regular fan. 
I, if I, fellas, let me, let me, uh, let me play, let me play Jeff the ref here for a minute. <laughs> I want to play ref. Okay. Let me, let me say this. I'm a baseball fan. Sure. I love baseball. I love Major League Baseball, and I like AAA ball. If I can't afford $75 to buy a Phillies ticket, there you go. I can spend $10 to see the farm club. I'm still watching baseball. My dollar is still going in the Phillies bank account, but it's not going into the main club's account. It's going into the farm team's account. NXT. Well, now hold on, Jeff. Hold on a second. NXT. True enough. Is the other pocket of Vince McMahon? That's true enough. But the money generated, and let's talk about the money here. The money generated by NXT stays in NXT. They got to pay the wrestlers. Thank you. It's, it's a self-contained company within a corporation. Let's be clear about it. When I go to see the Phillies when I can afford a ticket, I know where my money's going. When I spend $10 to see the farm club, I know that that $10 is going to pay that team. Granted, those players are not making you know, $20 million a year contracts, they may get, you know, 75000 or 125000 If they're like If they're getting that, right, exactly. So, I, if you're a wrestling fan, to Jeff's point, does it really matter? I understand Mikey's point, and, and I do, Mike, I understand your point. You're still supporting WWE, but you're supporting a branch of WWE that is self-contained. Yep. Well, that, to me, to me, that's one. to me they're that's one. like saying. Go, go ahead, Jeff. No, I'm, I, no, I was just saying the run is a separate brand. NXT. Most wrestling fans don't even associate NXT with McMahon. They associate it with Triple H. Well, that's a good point, Jeff. But go ahead, Mikey. I know you. To, to me, to me, the, the the difference is like this. It's like saying, you know what? I don't support the Coca Cola company. The Coca Cola company is horrible. They have business practices I don't like. Here's my Diet Coke. I'm going to drink my Diet Coke instead because screw Coca Cola. I mean, that's to me, that's the difference. No, it well, was. Wait, let me stop you there. Let me stop you there. You you brought it up. You brought it up. Coca Cola. I don't like Coca-Cola, but I like Sprite. Guess what? Sprite They're owned by the same company. Yeah. Well, Coca-Cola and Sprite are owned by the same company. I, I guess it, it depends if we're talking the flavor in this metaphor, if we're talking the flavor of the soda, like the taste of it, or the business practices. What I don't okay. like what, what I guess what I guess people are missing, guys, and maybe you're not missing it. Is when I say I don't like WWE, it's not because of the quality of the matches or the commentary or any of those things that might be up for debate as well. What I'm saying is I don't like their business practices as a company. I don't like them sending, and well, here's a guy we didn't mention today, I don't like them sending CM Punk a termination of contract on his wedding day. I don't like he them, came back. 
Hold on, hold on. Stop, 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 stop. First of all, let's be real clear. CM Punk does not work for WWE. Yeah, okay. He, he hasn't worked for them since his, his, his term. He will. We're headed there. Okay. That's, but that's he, the big story of 2020. Well, and that we'll talk about that in a minute. But let's be clear. Let's talk about flavors, okay? Mm-hmm. Let's talk about flavors. Mikey doesn't like the business practice. Correct. Okay. Let's be clear about something. Wrestling fans don't give a shit. There you go. They know what their wrestling is. Do yeah. I like this wrestling or do I like that wrestling? Look, NXT, and I'm going to I'm going to put it out there. NXT and AEW are the flavors of the month right now. They're so competitive because they're so much alike. Okay? They're two separate companies, but they may as well be the same. I, I totally disagree. Please. I'll give you the disagreement, Angelo. I, I would love to hear it. Okay, first of all, setting. NXT takes place as of now. Uh, their weekly show is in the same venue it's always been, the, uh, the NXT arena or whatever they call it. The Full Sail University. Club. Right, Full Sail University. So it's basically in a, what, Jeff, 300, 400, 400. 400 seats, you know, and it's a rabid crowd. Uh, the crowd has been with that company for a while, not the same person, the same people in the audience every single time, but you can say a loyal fan base. Uh, the setting is, is, is basically the same week in and week out. Uh, it's like, a, it's like uh, the old center stage, WCW 1989 or something. Now, if you want to talk about AEW, uh, you've got a different arena every Wednesday night. You're going okay. to a 10,000-seat 10, arena, whether it's Jacksonville, Florida the other night, uh, if, whether it's uh, you know Charlotte. They're doing a lot of southern cities that have been kind of ignored for the last several years. Okay. The next, the next thing is, to me at least, uh, AEW feels less canned, less rehearsed, less scripted. Okay. Uh, WWE Raw and SmackDown are a lot worse than NXT with that scripted feel. But you can still see with the NXT show that they still have that we're building up this backstage interviewer in order for her or him to go to SmackDown or Raw. Uh, okay. So okay. Let me stop you there. Hold on, because I have. I'm, go ahead. Go yeah, because I, I got I got something to say about that. I do too. Full no. Sail University is a captive audience of four hundred. AEW has a captive audience of ten thousand. Okay, it doesn't matter the size of the venue. The product is the same product. It's yep. wrestling. And they wrestle it doesn't matter if you've got 25,000 people. Jeff, it doesn't matter if you got 400 people. Yep. It doesn't I, matter. And as, far as, and as far as the business practices, I'm a wrestling fan. I could give two shits what Vince McMahon does as long as it's A, not immoral, B, not illegal, and C, not unethical. 
But 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 he's done immoral and unethical things. If it doesn't affect my bottom line, I don't give a shit. Okay. Well, he, he, he look, look, let's be real clear. I'm nobody's moral judge. Believe me when I tell you, I'm not. All right. Okay. But I'm not going to tell Vince McMahon how to do his business. Yep. I'm not going to do that. I want to make the product and I want to enjoy it. I want to point really quick. Go ahead, Jeff. Um, when NXT does their takeover pay-per-view, so to say, they sell that son of a bitch out every time. And that yep. crowd is very rabid. Yeah. Every one of them. So, I would challenge you, Mikey, to go and watch NXT TakeOver. Any of them from this past year. You watched the war games that the women did. I did. I did watch that. Tell me you weren't impressed. I was impressed. I did like it. I mean, and and, and you can't, I, I would compare AEW and, and NXT is, I guess, more polished as far as their wrestling goes. They're not as dangerous. A lot of the AEW guys, I can honestly say, and here's the problem that, that one of my friends who is a, a, he's been to an AEW pay-per-view even. This is what he said is he, he had a problem is he said, how are they ever going to establish anybody new when they keep on using WWE old talent? And not using them to put the new guys over. Well, let me address that. Sure. Let's talk about why NXT is more polished. They have a training facility that is, for all intents and purposes, their promotions foundation. Yep. NXT. Let us not forget, please. Let us not forget. NXT is a developmental promotion. Yep. Okay. AEW has assimilated their talent from independent promotions across the United States and around the world. But they come from, the point is, they come from indie promotions. They will not have a polished feel. They've not been to a performance center. They don't have a training facility. They don't have eight coaches telling them this is how y'all are gonna what you're gonna work on today. And this is what you're gonna work on today. That's those you you Angelo, you said about five minutes ago there was no differences, and now you're explaining the difference. Well, no, I'm talking about the differences in the product. It's, it's a yeah, wrestling. Well, that's why, we're, that's why I thought you said that there was no difference. The He's product, saying that the wrestling, that the, product, the, wrestling no, the wrestling product is the same product. Well, it's, we're, it's out, well hold on. It, we're talking about timeout. <laughs> Go, Mikey. If, if, if you're saying that there's no differences, but you just explained that the difference is one group, NXT, is polished, and the AEW is a bunch of indie guys doing their thing, then that is the difference, isn't it? No, because their wrestling style, if you watch them and you compare them, they're very, very similar. Thank you. I'm talking about, I'm talking about exactly what Jeff said, the product. The point I'm trying to make is this. You've got a bunch of guys from the indies at AEW and a bunch of guys at NXT that are going through a training program. 
But what they're giving you on television is the same product. The point I'm trying to make is they're giving you the same wrestling style. Is it? I see. I see. I see differences. I, I I see differences. If you guys don't see it, I, I can explain to you what I see as the differences. If you want, go. Yeah, I, I, I can see that a Luchasaurus, uh, you know, and the the little runt Marco stunt versus uh, the Lucha Brothers has a totally different feel to me than um, the Viking Raiders or whoever on the NXT. It, it better have a different feel. It's supposed to. You know why? There, there, there's a difference right there. Then that's the difference. It, it's we're talking about the difference in teams. I'm going to tell you why. Very clearly, and let's be real clear about this, the Jurassic Express, which is Luchasaurus, uh, Jungle Boy, and Marco Stunt, those three guys were put together for one reason, because they are so divergently different, they create an unusual-looking team. Yeah. The Lucha Brothers are like... Those two guys are like, you know, they, they, they're like uh, two cogs in a wheel. They mesh like this. They, they're amazing. Sure. But that's supposed to be the dichotomy. No, you're not going to see Lucha style on NXT because they don't have any Lucha wrestlers. And we should point something out too, Jeff. Luchasaurus is an NXT graduate. Dusty Rhodes gave him the idea and the name. Thank you. He came from the Performance Center. Yep. And, and I, what I was going to get at with, and I think what Mikey was trying to say, as far as them being scripted in the way that NXT does look, they have to have them that way because they got to get them ready in case they get that call of saying, hey, we want Adam Cole tomorrow. Right. There's, some, there's something else that that neither one of you guys mentioned that should be glaringly, glaringly obvious. What's that? World Wrestling Entertainment. Yep. Which includes SmackDown, Raw, and NXT are publicly traded companies. It's a publicly traded company. Yeah. They can't do yeah. a lot of the stuff AEW can do or, or MLW. Well, case in point, AEW, Tony Schiavone said this on his podcast. Conrad was teasing him about it. Their announcers are allowed to say the word shit one time during their broadcast. Yes, standards and practices will allow you that. Now, NXT will never, a, a WWE Raw, uh, you'll never hear Jerry Lawler go, you will never hear Jerry Lawler utter puppies ever again. Well, never, now, wait a minute now. Let's, let's talk about what happened to Corey Graves. When Corey Graves uttered the word shit on live television, they all but cut his balls off for him. Yeah. Okay? I mean, and, and they're not going to allow that to happen on their PG product. They don't want to admit that there's a language out there that exists beyond their product. Okay, so, so now we've, we've got another difference, guys, which you, well, you're explaining better than I have. 
which is the uh, use of vulgarity is more free on the AEW side. I don't think they hit the Stop, stop, stop. <laughs> the use of vulgarity or the, or the lack thereof is not in one iota affecting the wrestling product. Well, if, if, if people... It, well, if wait say, a minute. I mean, here's the thing, Angelo. You've got to remember that you may not see it as being different, but a 13-year-old kid who gets a semi because Chris Jericho said shit on TV, uh, that's a difference to the 13-year-old kid. You've got a We're, point. Okay, but it's not. But I'm not a 13 year old kid. I'm a 60 year old man. No, right, but, but we're yeah. not the target audience. None of us. Oh, okay, are. here's the deal. If Renee Young says, "If Renee Young says, boy, that was a hell of a power bomb he took." Okay. If Excalibur says, "Look at that fucking power bomb he took," is it going to make any difference? No. no to us, you. it might not. But to the 13 year old kid. <laughs> Like like thirty years ago, when Beavis and Butthead came out, and they were very racy at the time, that yeah, attracted yeah. the teenagers. What? Uh, who was watching that? Thirteen year old kids were watching. Oh, right, right. but guess guess who spends more money? Thirteen year olds or Angelo, Jeff, and Mike? Thirteen year olds spend more money than the three now, of us. Now, and, and to be fair, and I'm going to agree with Mikey. Here's the deal: WCW parents' money, though, Mike. But WCW, one thing that held WCW back. When WWE pushed that envelope before they were publicly traded, they were willing to go balls to the wall and have a brawl and panties match, and, and, and Nitro damn sure wasn't. Right. And I'll tell you this, as as a 19-year-old young man, I was damn sure tuning into that brawl and panties match. Right. Okay. Well, let, let me ask you. And I'll tell you what, Angelo, at 60, you'd be watching a brawl and panties match versus the Nitro girls. I'd do it right now. Thank you. <laughs> Here's the question I have. <laughs> Does wrestling need Vince Russo back? I think, it, I think. look, I think, to be honest <laughs> with you, as, as, a, as a buddy of Vince Russo, I think Vince would like to be wanted, but yeah. I think Vince is at the point of his life where he's disgusted, and I think that if Vince were to come back, it would be like an Eric Bischoff thing. He'd be there for four months. If you're talking about WWE, I can see Vince Russo working with uh, AEW, believe it or not. I if could, he and Cody can get over I their could. stick. Well, it's interesting because Jeff and I had a conversation earlier today about, uh, in fact, it was uh, Chris Jericho just did an interview with Vince Russo on his podcast. And, you know, <laughs> Jeff... <laughs> I'm going to stop right now. You got to explain yourself, young man. <laughs> I was basically saying that Jericho was jacking uh, Russo off in that interview, man. I Jericho was Jericho and putting him over. He did his job as a co-host or as a host on a podcast, a nationally known podcast. Okay, but Jeff, you watched by your own admission... You watch. I say I think Russo could do good for either WWE or AEW right now. You think, think if Vince Russo came in to jumpstart and then took a step back, Mikey? I I would say that you know what we were talking about flying Brian Pillman earlier, and I, I wanted to get this out at that time, but we moved on. I had a storyline for blind flying Brian Pillman that could still work. But, you know, I don't think it would actually happen. So if I could share it with you guys, you guys no. think about this. 
So, sure. you know, remember, remember, um, you know, Dakota, which was Cody and Terry Runnels kid. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Well, she's a, she's a fine young lady. I think she's about 30 years old now. Uh, she's done some, uh, she's only 20. Okay. Well, she's done some YouTube interviews, uh, like podcasting with her mom and yes. stuff yeah. with her dad. So she's very well-spoken. Um, she has a unique look, but a very contemporary look with a few yeah. tattoos and stuff. And I would like to see her on AEW be kind of an interview host. And she does some backstage segments and so forth. And eventually, say a year from now or less, they get flying Brian Pillman in. And they do some interviews where they have Dakota doing a backstage segment. And then they oh, do I one of those cool. they do one of those Jim Ross McFoley interviews where it's like a, a teat to teat, you know, a Dakota interviewing flying Brian. And people kind of pick up on, you know, like it's a little subtle, but hey. There seems to be some flirtation here between these two. Okay, and, go ahead. Then the next thing you know, uh, they're kind of twittering. They have some photos together. Maybe there's some more interview segments, and you see a little twinkle in the eye. And the next thing you know, Dakota. I like is, it. The next thing you know, Dakota is escorting Flying Brian Pillman Jr. to the ring. And the next thing you know, they have a bit of a relationship. And the next thing you know, they're dating and so forth. Now. Dustin Rhodes, who's associated with AEW, he gets a little terse about this, and he starts making some uh, statements, and basically it's revealed in the ring, of course, uh, with, with Dustin Rhodes, he forbids his daughter from dating Flying Brian Pillman Jr. He doesn't allow it. And then when Flying Brian uh, makes advances, they have to have a match. That if Flying Brian beats Dustin Rhodes, he can date his daughter. And they have this big, crazy match, high-flying moves, blood and so forth. And then about 35 minutes into this blood fest, high-flying, Dustin Rhodes at 52 years old is having the match of his life against the 26-year-old Flying Brian. Dakota's at ringside crying her eyes out. Dustin grabs the microphone and he says, Brian... You cannot date my daughter because your father is the father of there my you go. daughter. You are dating your own sister. I love oh, it. That's I what they need. Going with it. I love it. Thank because you. Now, That's a page right out of the Vince Russo playbook. Yeah, but, but when Vince Russo didn't write that. I did. But here's I know, but that... No, 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 no. But here's the reason why that would work. But wrestling fans need to know their history. Dustin and Terry legit, no, Brian and Terry Runnels legit dated. Yes. Right. right before Dustin. Yes. And then when her and Dustin had gone Splitsville pretty much, and they had the Marlena and Dustin and, and Brian Angle. Dustin wasn't too sure that Marlena Terry. Well, let, let us let us also remember our history. The WWE played that angle already. Let us not forget. You're right. No, you're right. Ken you're right. Shamrock and Ryan Shamrock. But Ryan, but Ryan was not his legit sister. But they were playing it off like an incest angle. Oh yeah, yeah. No, but I like I like where Mikey was going. I, That's well, Mikey is far more creative. You can tell he's a writer. 
this is a storyline 30 years in the making is what it, it is. is you go so, you know if if, if okay if, if so AEW now had balls they would run storylines like that if if and then my other storyline i think i shared with you guys last time is that if uh you know their transgender woman wrestler were to win their championship or to contend for it they need to have a woman not want to wrestle her based on the transgender issue i think that's become, a hell of an angle it would be an angle that would get the attention of the view can you imagine the women of the view whoopi goldberg and megan mccain and Joy oh, they'd be eating that shit discussing AEW women's wrestling and chance transgender wrestling Megan McCain would have a field day with that. Okay, so let's move on to 2020. All right. Let's talk about what's coming up. Predictions, not specific, but general predictions for... Uh, let's go, let's start with uh, AEW. Uh, start with Jeff. Uh, where do you think AEW's headed this year? Well, I think that's we, me and Mikey actually kind of already briefly touched on it, where we said kind of the same old, same old where they are right now. I mean, uh, I think that I, they they they're they're doing some things right now that are really they're starting to even kind of piss off their core base. And if they if they don't write that ship quickly, they're going right. to turn into the next TNA. Now, if they do write it, then they're going to be golden. If they hired Mike Messier right now as a as a as a uh, booker and, and as their sole book, booker along with Cody, well, let me put it out there right now uh, as uh, as Mike Messier's literary agent, uh, <laughs> Angelo Decipio at Wrestling with the Future, and I will uh, field all of Mikey's offers. I, I, think, you have I, I mean, Mikey definitely he did answer that when I asked him where he saw AEW headed. Okay. I would say, where do you see now? I'll ask Mike and you, Mikey and you, where do you see NXT being as a, that is AEW's primary competition? Where do you see them going? Do you um, see them branching out full sale? I'll ask you that, Mikey. I'll, I'll start. I'll start. I do see NXT branching out of full sale because apparently their contract runs up in March or something. And I, I do have a feeling what that if nothing else, because of pride. Triple H and Vince and Shawn Michaels will want to get the full sale troop out of the full sale a little bit. I think you and I totally agree, Mikey. I think NXT is clearly headed for a new home. It would not surprise me to see them follow the AEW banner and do a different city every week. I think that's clearly where it's headed. You're going to see, and I think. And I don't think I'm wrong about this. I think NXT has enough of a following to fill a 10,000-seat building. No doubt. No doubt in my mind either. And I, I think that's where it's headed. I think you're going to see more arena shows in addition to the TakeOver franchise. Well, I was going to say, they're getting ready to run in February, I believe, their own separate not included in a wwe pay-per-view weekend right. their own separate pay-per-view on a sunday well that that's where i'm going with this jeff but thank you for picking up on that yeah and, and i think that right there is going to be kind of a tell-all to see are is are they getting the coat our takeover is that the coattails of the royal rumble and SummerSlam and wrestlemania audience 
or is it that they actually have that big of a following? Well, let me ask you a question. That's a really, really good point. And I don't know, Mike, if you caught the question in there, but here's the question. Is it a bad thing for NXT to ride off the coattails of Raw and SmackDown? Um, no, I think it's a smart thing. It's not a bad thing. Okay. It, like I said, if, if, if you, it's like, look, I run a film festival and I also run a theater festival. Avalonia Festival and Avalonia Theater Festival. If I were to totally separate them, I'd be damaging myself. So for WWE, if they run SmackDown, Raw, and NXT, you can divide that, but you still want that consumer to pay for all three or pay for two out of three. Yeah, you right. Know what I mean, that's the advantage that NXT has. They can ride off. The coattails of SmackDown and Raw. AEW is self-contained. They have nobody's coattails to ride off of. Here, here's a question. They, they have to. They have to on their own succeed. Go ahead, Jeff. Here it is. Do you see Vince McMahon stepping back even more? As we know, he has not been at a couple of Raws recently. <laughs> Do you see him stepping back even more now that? XFL is getting ready to take off here in a couple of months. Okay, that's a real good question. Go, Will Mikey, and then actually do it. Will he actually do it, Mikey? My my, my feeling is no, and I, I hate to say it, but I've I agree with you. And I, I said that to Jeff. Well, my feel what I what I hate to say is that I think Vince is suffering from early onset Alzheimer's or old age something, and that's not I'm not the first or the last to say that. And I don't say that with any glee in my eye or happiness about it. I, think I don't Vince, either. I, I think Vince has aging issues like a lot of people get. And, it, you know, but I think it's like one of those things where uh, Stephanie or Hunter or Shane would have to legally prove that he's incapable of running the company to get that grip out of his hand. And I don't think they want to embarrass themselves or embarrass him and fight him legally. And from what I what what I'm guessing, and what some people have rumor and innuendo to me, is that that's a big problem. Is that Vince? Shout is, out to Conrad. You know? well, <laughs> no, yeah, it, it is. It, it's a legitimate concern yeah, because is. Vince is clearly even even by the admission of people who are close to him in the company today, Vince has clear perception issues he's been called on more than one occasion by many people out of touch with the current product that he doesn't know what's going on in his own company but but let us not forget he's the guy who controls the purse strings me personally i i think that he I think that he could, I think he's going to still have his hands in it, but I could see him stepping back more and more and concentrating on the XFL. And this goes to what you had said earlier about Tony Khan and McMahon both having that I will not lose. He yeah. failed once at the XFL. He doesn't want to fail again. He won't do it again. He will, he, I promise you, before he is buried in the grave. He will do what he has to do to make XFL be relevant. And that ties into 
Mikey's disdain for Vince's business practices. Hang on, but here we go. Think about this. He now has a competitor over there. If anything, he's going to want to piss off Tony Khan's daddy, who owns Jacksonville Jaguars. Well, that's that's a real good, Jeff, I love the way you think. That's a real good tie-in because there is a football wrestling connection in both companies. Okay. One owns a team and the other one's going to own his own XFL, his own league. I've got to have Mikey Messier chime in on this one because I'm chomping at the bit to know what you think of the football wrestling connection on both sides, Mikey. I think that Vince failed at W, uh, I'm sorry, at XFL. And before that, he failed at WBF and um, the World Bodybuilding Federation. The movies that they've made, you know, out of WWE films have been mixed at best, probably more failures than successes. True. And I, I, I'll give credit to Jim Cornette, who's who said it articulately enough, which is, why why does Vince McMahon deny himself of being a wrestling promoter when he's actually really good at it when he wants to be? There you go. Why does Vince constantly? It's like good points. Vince is a self. I mean, look, this is what I really think, guys. Vince Vince McMahon is a self-hating Southerner. He hates the fact that he's from North Carolina. Yep. He always tries to say he's from New York when he's from North Carolina. Right. He hates the fact that he's in the pro wrestling industry. He tries to call it sports entertainment when we all call it pro wrestling. So he tries to cloud himself and he tries to say, I make movies, pal. Well, no, Vince, you make pro wrestling. And when you actually care about it, like you did at WrestleMania 1 and WrestleMania 2, you put on a pretty damn good show. And WrestleMania 3 was probably his peak creatively, not financially. But when Vince tries to raise himself to the level of Stanley Kubrick or uh, Martin Scorsese or whoever Vince thinks he is in his mind, he flops. (laughs) And uh, that's why when I talk about me, is personally, I don't like when WWE uh, supports Trump. It's not because of Trump. It's because I don't like my wrestling mixed with politics. So I think... Well, yeah, that, that's a whole other issue, Mike. Well, what, what I, I just want to wrap this up and say that me personally, and maybe I'm different than other folks, but when I think of supporting a company as much as I've put into the WWE since age eight or nine, uh, financially, wearing the Ultimate Warrior jacket, wearing a Triple H shirt, even now, and I see this company doing things that I morally don't agree with, they're going to start losing the Mike Messiers of the world, and that's some of their most passionate fans. And I, no, The no, evidence no. that some fans actually do give a shit about some of these issues is the declining ratings. That might have been story number seven of the top t- 2019 stories, is Raw's continuous decline in the ratings, Raw and SmackDown, we didn't touch upon that, and uh, but the thing is, guys, it's like we can say that YouTube TV or Hulu or DVDR, all this stuff is what the fans are watching. I really don't know because Meltzer has done a good job comparing football ratings from 30 years ago to today uh, versus raw ratings from 25, 30 years ago to today, and it, it's it's very much leans. I, no, no, no. I, I'm gonna I'll get into that really really fast, and I'll just say this. AEW is only averaging 750,000 fans. They're supposed to be the new alternative, okay? They're supposed to be the alternative for the pissed-off WWE fan. Okay, they're not They're not getting it. They're, they're really, clearly, they're not getting that audience. If they were, they would be getting a 2 or 3 million view viewers. I think, I think 
on a national level, either the fans are not paying it or not watching, or they are watching it on DVR or Hulu or the WWE Network or wherever they can get the platform to watch it. Because they may go on a Monday night and go, you know what, three hours, screw that. I can fast forward through the commercial. Well, and Jeff, that that's a point that we brought up earlier. There are so many alternative sources to watch the product now that I don't you know, cited. I don't think that that is a true fair number is what I'm getting at. Well, yeah, and, and, I, and I, I know exactly where you're going with it. So the number of 750,000 that you cite, that may be a number that they can go by, but it's not an accurate number. Let's be real clear. Yeah, that, no, that's my point. And yeah. So, okay, I, I'm, I, I, I was going to actually wrap it up here with this. And then um, I know we got a couple of announcements to make here, uh, Angelo. Yeah. Um, where do you see wrestling going in 2020, Mike? Do you see it booming more? <laughs> Declining, staying the same. Indies, I mean, doing, what, where do you see it? This, this is going to be a weird prediction, but I have a feeling that this is going to be the wildest, most unusual year in quite some time. And I think that there are going to be things happening maybe June, July, August, mid-year that none of us can predict right now. Yep. Maybe some of these groups, maybe an MLW and an Impact will merge. Maybe New Japan will do some stuff over here. But I have a feeling that it's like, I don't know what's coming, but I think something very unique and that we that's outside the box right now yes. is on the horizon. I, I absolutely agree with you, and, and I'm glad you mentioned the word merger. I can clearly see two companies getting together mm -hmm. to merge, and, and it would not surprise me at all, if it were AEW and NWA, yeah, that would, that would be a more perfect fit, in my opinion. I was going to say I could see MLW and ROH. I could see Court Bauer going and making a play on ROH. That, that's really possible too. But I think that the AEW NWA connection. Yeah. Far greater than the AEW MLW connection, which oh, I no doubt. which I think is more suited to Ring of Honor, quite frankly. Because let's be honest, Jeff, Ring of Honor needs a lifeline right now. As I will quote Conrad Thompson, they are circling the drain right now. They are big time. They, now and, and 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 here I will give you proof positive. Last year, their their final battle, their their big pay per view of the year, yeah, that they have every December. Last year, they drew like thirty five hundred fans. Right. This, this year, legit three hundred. Yeah. It can't all be attributed to not having the young bucks and Cody in the the roster. Yeah. It has to be you know attributed to other things that are going on in ROH. Oh, yeah. Now, by the way, uh, B.J. Whitmer, he uh, he let it be known that him and his wife have now split because she was out seeing people outside the marriage. That came out last night. Okay, <laughs> so, there. Oh, shoot. Oh, no, it's a shoot. He said. A shoot. A shoot. 
Yeah. Yeah. He, he said he wanted it to hit social, his social media before the dirt sheets picked it up. And he said that they were getting a divorce because she had ventured outside of the marriage bounds and he couldn't agree with that. Who's his wife again? The ROH uh, champion, the woman's champion that they fired. Oh, 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 uh, uh, yeah, blonde girl, uh, beautiful, tall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I was, I was on a, a Twitter follower of hers, and uh, I know exactly who you're talking about. Okay. Well, we're we're actually going to do an entire show. Jeff and I actually spoke about it this morning, called the Marriage Ring. This is going to be adult oriented. It will be. Plus. We will talk about infidelity in in the sport of wrestling. Ring rats. Yeah, boy. Well, let, let's. We're not even going to get into that right now because we got some other stuff to, to All talk right, about. Go ahead, Angelo. Okay, we've we got, got um, coming up. Actually, next week. Uh, we're going to start off the new year with a fresh, brand new episode and a special guest. We have a woman who is arguably, without question, signed or unsigned, the greatest female wrestler in the country right now. She works the indies all across the United States and abroad. Her name is Casey Carlisle. She is the queen she is the queen of wrestling, bar none. If you follow, former NWA Women's World Champion, recent, recently, recent, yep. Uh, and uh, so Casey will be our guest. And what day is that, Angela? That is Tuesday, January the seventh. All right. And the very next day, on January the eighth, we have Daredevil Dave Dahl. And he will discuss the art of heel heat. And he is joining us for two reasons, not only to discuss heel heat, but he is on the verge of being signed by a major promotion that I am not at liberty to discuss, but he will. Okay. Uh, on January the 14th, Jason Nupp, our before toy guy. That, hold up. Before that, we got on the 11th. Who do we got? Oh, oh, I, on the 11th, I have a show to go to in Philadelphia. Super crazy. I'm going to go see my friend Ron Starr. Yeah, buddy. And Ron will be a guest on the show in February. All right, go ahead. Continue. We'll get to that in a second. But right. January 14th, we've got... Jason Nupp, the toy guy, toy collectible guy, will be here. Yep. By popular demand. His, uh, but we barely scratched the surface with Jason. His toy collection is insane from the 80s. It's ridiculous. Oh, my God. He, he, make, he would make any collector of 80s nostalgia toys jealous. <laughs> yeah. If you are into to action figure collectibles, wrestling figures, you, Jason's the guy. You want to see that show. Yep. On the very next day, January 15, we have our very own Mike Messier will go head-to-head -head with Shane McKenna. <laughs> I will sit back for that episode, and Jeff the Ref will and I'll give this ding, ding, ding. <laughs> It'll be a friendly duel, I promise. Jeff is going to put his striped ref shirt on that one. Shane's a good guy. Shane's a good guy. 
And that should be interesting. They will discuss social media and wrestling. That'll be a very interesting show. All right. It'll be a busy week because the very next day. On the 16th. If that wasn't enough. Go ahead. If it wasn't enough to have Jason and Mikey in the same week, I got a bombshell. And she really is a bombshell. Yes, she is. We have the one, the only, Nikki Roberts baby doll. The perfect 10 herself. Her, Tully Blanchard's perfect 10. I think she was a perfect 10 for a lot of young men. Yeah. And I, <laughs> I, I said, I said uh, Nikki, said, my co-host still has your poster on his wall. Her daughter wrestles too, I believe. She does. I, I we actually we had her in VCW and probably her on like her first or second match ever, and she wrestled Casey Carlisle there. Yeah. So we're not going to get into that too much right now, Jeff. But only like Mike, you know. <laughs> I want to plug it because that's a rabbit hole. Um, <laughs> I will be in Philadelphia. You want to come out and see me? I will be at Super Crazy Pro in Philadelphia. At the old ECW arena. Uh, on January the 21st, it's our biggest. We It's our third WWE Hall of Famer. He is none other than Handsome Jimmy, the Boogie Woogie Man Valiant. Oh. And uh, on Thursday of that same week, we have... Wrestling historian and photographer, in-ring personality and on-camera personality, Scott Romer. Now, Scott Romer has another claim to fame that nobody knows about, but I'm going to tell you right now. He is Dick the Bruiser's son-in-law. And he's wow. going to talk about his father-in-law, Dick the Bruiser. Awesome. And on January the 28th, to close out January, we got Jeff the Ref's favorite tag team in the world. Pats and Big Vinny the Fixer. <laughs> School Empire. Yes, sir. They they their <laughs> their gimmick makes me laugh. I love it. Are great. I'll tell you what, that is gonna be our, our January for some reason. Angelo would figure that me and him weren't busy enough, so he wanted to add more more to our plate. Wait, I'm not done yet. Oh, oh, my bad. <laughs> That's just January. Where do you get February? Well, I, I was just letting our listeners know January. I didn't want to tease them too much with February yet. I'm just going to give them a couple. Okay, go. First half of the month. All right. All right. So we got Old School Empire closing out January. But then February the 1st, a very special young lady will join us. Her name is Pam Allen, and you may not know her, but you all knew her daddy. He is the one and only dean of pro wrestling, the legendary Gordon Soley. That is going to be a great episode. Gordon Soley's daughter, Pam Allen, will join us. Can I jump in real quick, Angelo? I've, I've actually got a copy of uh, Gordon Soley's book. Uh, that I believe, I could be wrong, but I think Pam kind of co-wrote it. She did. Okay, so I've got a, I've got a copy of that book, and it's excellent. It's, uh, it's not just wrestling. It's a different side of Gordon Soley. Um, poetry that he wrote as a young guy doing commentary. And, 
and and short stories and um I'm trying to recall the title of the book off the top of my head, but I can visualize it in my mind. It's a great book, so that's very exciting. Yeah, yeah. Got, uh, Pam's going to be on January, uh, February the first. Then on February the fourth, we've got Cowboy Johnny Mantell joined by three other wrestling cowboys, and we're going to call that show the Old West of Wrestling. Going to all our cowboys. Johnny Mantell was a world-class championship wrestling guy yes. who was big time in the 82, 83, 84 at the Vaude Eric. So what stories Johnny Mantell and the other Cowboys will have? Yeah, boy. Yeah, buddy. And, and who else? Thursday of that same week, February the 6th, a very, very special episode dedicated to Bruno San Martino. And we will be joined by Sal... Let me get his last name right. I want to make sure I get his name right. His name is Sal Correnti. And he wrote a definitive book with Bruno. It's the autobiography of Bruno San Martino. And wow. that's Sal Correnti. C-O-R-R-E-N-T-E. I think I have a copy of that book as well, to be honest with you. This is great. And on Tuesday, February 18th, my old friend, Rico Costantino, will join us. Awesome. On Skype Live. Let's see. So, uh, uh, oh, and the end of February, and I'll just leave you with this. We have the original hardcore icon, long before Mick Foley, long before Cactus Jack, Long before Mankind, we have the original hardcore legend, Matt Tremont, a CZW original. And Matt Tremont is a world-traveled pro wrestler. He's wrestled extensively in Japan against Ibushi and Okada. And uh, that's going to be a fascinating show. Well, uh, go ahead. I was going to say, don't forget somewhere in there. We're going to fit in Mr. Electricity, Steve Regal. Steve Regal, I believe, I think he's going to be with us in either the last Thursday in February or the first Tuesday in March. I'm not sure just yet. All right. He'll definitely be with us for sure. Yep. And, and we're going to dedicate a special show. To the uh, the legacy and the memory and the career of the Russian bear Ivan Koloff, who Jeff will talk extensively about. That is, um, if I can get through that episode without crying, it's going to be amazing. I'll tell you that right now. Uh, you got a lot of Kleenex there, brother. <laughs> I will um, try and get Renee, right? Oh, yeah, definitely. Definitely. All right. Um, I, I was going to say, I, I, I believe that maybe we're working on it still, but Bruiser Brody's wife, we had talked about. Yeah, Barbara will be, yes, but she's not till March. Let me see. Okay. Uh, uh, let's see. February, March. <laughs> yes. Barbara Fish. Uh, you're, you're about ready to make me have to go old school and go get me an old date book like I used to do when I had to keep my referee days uh, straight. I'm buying a paper calendar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Now, well, you know, no, that's just January and February. You know, it's funny, really quick, you tell you, you're, you're having to buy a paper calendar. If you can find a calendar from 1992, it's the same days as this year's. There's a friend of mine who is using his old WWF calendar from 1992 as his calendar this year. Was Papa Shango in uh, August or something? I, I think so. And Ultimate Warriors on the front. So knew <laughs> Papa Shango before he was Papa Shango. Uh, well, I mean, who he was the Godfather? Soul Taker. Soul Taker. He came to my father's restaurant with my dear late friend, Pretty Boy Larry Sharp. Ah, was still being trained. They, his name was Bear the Soul Taker, and he had a tag team partner that you might know as Mark Callis or Mean Mark Calloway, who you now know as the Undertaker. Yep. And when these so two guys walked into my father's restaurant, it was like they almost had to duck. Well, I'll, I'll tell you this. Uh, we, we did have a little Shit piece was of... too low. I, I, you know, um, I think, uh, you know, I, I don't know if we want to wrap it up or not. We had a piece of fan mail from uh, Gordon Riddick who was wanting to know yes. how, me, how, me, how me and you came to be. Brother, that's a whole episode. <laughs> we might do, you know what? We might do that. We might do a whole episode. Uh, you know, uh, that would be fun. Um Oh, we should. While we got Mikey here, yeah, go. While we got Mikey here, we ought to do that. Let's do an episode of just the three of us bullshitting. The how we met each other. Let's do that. How we met each other. Now, Mike, uh, I know. I'll, I'll, I'll play the moderator for that one, and we'll, we'll get the answer. Oh, I, rem I remember how I, the, I I reached out to you, Mikey. I believe. Yeah, you did. You reached out to me, but as far as you and Jeff goes, you guys uh, were doing this for a while before I got involved. But yeah, you, Angelo reached out to me on Facebook, and uh, we did our first episode. I think I was on in October, uh, September. No, actually, it was on my way to Florida, so it was sometime September, October of 2019. You're one of our very first. You're one of our very, very first guests that we ever had. So I appreciate it. Um, Mike was our very first guest. Out of the uh, no, out of victory the, was. I was out nope. of the South Carolina hotel. Jacko victory was. Oh, that's right. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, Jack was Jack victory. And I mean, how me and Angelo came to be is a very unique story in and of itself. I mean, the fact that I I messaged him on uh, on Twitter, and I said, hey, you know, I heard you on us uh, on. on on, uh, Kenny Mullen, on, on Kenny Mullen's uh, Bowling Alley podcast. And I, I would like to talk to you sometime. And he basically, I, I was like, he came back with his answer was, I'll talk to you when I'm ready. Yeah. And I said, all right. And I'm thinking to myself, what a dick. And yeah. uh, <laughs> <laughs> literally five or six months later, I well, I was what I said was, it, I'm not ready yet. Right. I got a message five or six months later. Okay, I'm ready to talk to you now. Yes. He didn't forget about you. No, it wasn't yeah. what I what I said exactly was it wasn't time yet. There it is. And I and then it it, it, it went it balled from there because within like two or three minutes of us even talking. It was, 
I'm I'm being told that I need to do a podcast with you. Yeah. Yeah, we were connected at the ass ever since. That's cool. That's <laughs> awesome. Hey man, origin stories are always fun. I, yeah. I had to mention the three of us are gonna do that. Oh, gonna, I, I gotta mention something about the Papa Shango and uh, Larry Sharp uh thing because when I was a kid I went to the Great American Bash eighty nine in Baltimore. Mm. And uh, Mark Callis, as you might remember, was on that show. Actually, he wasn't. It was Sid and Danny Spivey yep. as a skyscraper. So it was before yeah. Mark Callis was there uh, or The Undertaker. But basically, before the show, uh, me and my friends were walking around Baltimore. And this is still pretty safe back then. July 23rd, 1989. And we see a couple of big guys. And I recognized one of them was Larry Sharp because I had seen him on TV with Bam Bam Bigelow. And he looked very Larry Sharpish with the white shirt. Uh, it was a hot summer day. He had a couple of buttons unbuttoned. He was wearing the suspenders, the peroxide blonde hair. Long blonde hair. <laughs> and he had with him uh, who we would be, we would know as Charles Wright or Papa Shango and Karma, the same guy. And he looked like a wrestler. Yeah. And so I went up to these two guys and I said, hey, I know you. You manage Bam Bam Bigelow. And I said, is this guy, uh, is this guy going to be wrestling tonight? And, and meeting Papa Shango or, or Karma Mustafa Charles Wright. And Larry kind of, uh, they were very polite. Larry said, hopefully, because I, I, I got the impression that they were bringing him to the show yeah. to introduce him to people. And it, as we know, he didn't end up on the show or he didn't end up in WCW anytime soon. But, it's, but I took a photograph of the two of them. Wow. Uh, right where we were. Now, I held on to that photograph. I still have it somewhere. And 30-something years later, or whatever it was, uh, I'm at a New England Hall of Fame wrestling convention. And I was going to, there was Nikolai Volkov was going to be there. Uh, Doink, Matt Bourne, one of Matt Bourne's final appearances before he died about a week later. Several <laughs> guys were on that uh, convention that I had photographs, original photographs that I took as a kid. Yeah, uh, Sullivan at the 89 bash and, and, and him and Mike Rotundo pushing each other after they lost to the Steiners, something that wasn't even televised. So I go up to some of the, some of these wrestlers of the convention and I was giving them photographs of them from their career from 25, 30 years earlier. Yeah. And I gave Papa Shango, uh, Charles Wright, a photograph of him and Larry Sharp. And I had two copies, one for him to take and one for me for him to sign, which he did. And right. he, was, he was very shocked to see that photo. Very thankful for it. Uh, super cool guy. I didn't talk to him a whole lot, but he. Oh, got great it. guy! Great guy. But just to have someone like myself, you know, thirty years in the making, to be able to give him a little—he might have even forgotten about that day. Who knows? But yeah. you know, it was just a cool experience. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, let me tell you why they were there. Larry brought him to Baltimore because he was supposed to get a tryout. He was supposed to have a dark match that day, and he got bumped. Right. Yeah. So he never got his tryout. That's why Larry brought him. Yeah. That was the reason. Yeah. I know, I know the story behind that. That's yeah. why it went. Yeah. They ended up basically watching the show from backstage. Yeah. You know, because Larry at the time knew enough people, you know, because well, he knew, you know, Gary Juster and... Right. People like that. Uh, would, basically, Gary ran Baltimore. 
it was a it was a great show. I've got a again a Gary Jester story, but we'll save that. We're in double overtime with this episode, guys. Yeah, we're in the two hour mark with this yeah. one. We 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 had a good show though. We're going to wrap it up. We're at the uh, the two hour mark. That's a, that's long for us. It is. So we are going to say uh, thank you to Mike Messier. Thank you, Mike. Glad to be here, guys. Thanks for okay. having me. Messier.com. Thank you. Jeff, anything to promote? Promote? Um, I gave the the, the brief uh, shout there earlier, but this Saturday, Vanguard Championship Wrestling at Windsor High School. We're going to be doing a benefit for the Windsor wrestling team. They're brand new. They got a brand new wrestling team. They've only been in it for two or three years. So they need gear and they need different things and money to be raised for them. We're going to be coming in there. We're going to have Colby Carino versus the guy who just broke the wrestling internet world, uh, Jordan Oliver, in a match that should be amazingly fantastic on the indie level or even on, on any level. But, I mean, for an indie fan to see it is going to be awesome. Um, and we're bringing in the badass himself, Billy Gunn. So, um, and that'll be this Saturday night. This Saturday night at Windsor. Vanguard Championship Wrestling. And they can go to vcw-wrestling.com to get tickets, or you can find them on Facebook, look up Vanguard Championship Wrestling, and they got all their information on there. And they can buy tickets at the door. Yes, sir. And tickets, okay. tickets are all one price at night because... Um, it's basically going to be first come, first serve on your ringside and then bleachers. So, and for me, uh, a couple of things going on. You can find me here at Wrestling with the Future. You can also find me on my other channel, Psychic in the City. That's a whole separate ball of wax, but it will tie in a little bit to the Jeff and me episode. Um, <laughs> You'll see very interesting how. But, uh, again, you can find Wrestling at the Future on Facebook. It's facebook.com forward slash Wrestling with the Future. Uh -huh. You can find us on Twitter at Wrestling Future. Uh, we are not on Instagram, but we are on YouTube. Yep. You can find us at Wrestling with the Future on YouTube. You can also find the podcast in audio form on Podbean, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, iHeartRadio, iTunes, uh, and uh, the fillings in your teeth, and Carrier Pigeon, uh, and on Mike Messier's Car Radio, and Barry Wyndham, Galoob. Who, who, which one is that? That's Barry Wyndham, the Galoob. Oh, Barry. Yes, sir. I thought it was Steve Austin until I realized he had hair. You know what I'm talking about, Barry Wendell. <laughs> I Mikey, love it. Destroy That's you. Awesome, <laughs> We're gonna have him on the action figure show. I got some good, good old charms. I always, always come prepared, guys. I've been hanging with uh, Conan as well lately. Oh, Arriba la Raza! <laughs> Orale! If I Get us out of here. We're going to be here for another hour. All right. Yeah, thanks, right. guys. On behalf of Mike Messier and Jeff the Ref, I'm Psychic Medium Angelo. Happy wrestling, everybody. Goodbye, Bye -bye. everybody. Bye.